Hello and welcome back to The Daily Royal, a podcast that covers the daily events of all the European royal families. Today, we are going to be talking about all of the events from Tuesday, February 23rd of 2021. Um... There wasn't a whole lot going on today. I expect that to kind of be the norm for the week. But like I said, um, there are a couple of big things that I'll talk about today just because, like, for example, when we go to the Spanish royal family, I can only really talk about this thing on this day. And in Sweden, too, like, you can only really talk about this on that day, on the anniversary of anything. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're going to talk about it all today. It could be a short episode. It may not be. Um, this is what I would consider maybe more of like an informational educational episode than just kind of like a brief rundown. Um, so I've done a couple of like deep dives, um, and just like some education for something that doesn't get a lot of attention. So that's a little like, here's what's coming up type of thing. Um, And so we're going to get started today with the Swedish royal family. There were a couple of things happening today in Sweden. The first is just kind of like an institutional thing. Um, So it looks like Crown Princess Victoria took part in a symposium on the um, Antarctic ecosystem um, in times of changing climate. So that hasn't been read out to my knowledge thus far um, in terms of like the royal house pointing it out. Yeah, it has not. Um, I just went and confirmed that. So maybe tomorrow they'll talk more about it, or maybe it'll just kind of be like a sidelined item. I don't quite know. Um, so that was the first thing. And then, you guys, today Princess Estelle, who is the oldest child of Crown Princess Victoria and Prince Daniel, turned nine. Um, and like, I don't know, nine just seems so old. So for those who don't really know, like my entire royal watching experience, um, it, like many others started with the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's wedding. Um, but it intensified and became more global from there. Um, because I saw all of these other, then princesses and now a good few of them are queens but like crown princess victoria and prince daniel like really uh stood out to me as i don't know i think it was just like the woman in a in a future leadership role that's always been um pretty consistent in my life like i find that fascinating um just in, like, a role model way, but also in just a a cool kind of way. Um, And so because Victoria was born royal, I really liked that. Um, And so I started following them really, really closely. 
And so the wedding was 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, so in April of 2011, then, um, I can still, this is insane that I remember this, but I can actually still remember the pregnancy announcement for when Victoria was pregnant with Estelle. Um, it was like right around my birthday, which is why I think I remember it. Um, but like, I don't know, it was just something I remember. And then of course the baby was born and it was Estelle and like, I don't know, I just feel like I've literally watched her grow up. Um, of course I haven't, but like, you know, you get monthly pictures almost and like you see her all the time. And so it kind of feels like that. And it just is so like, it's so cool that she's nine. And like, I've literally been watching her since the day she was born. Like, I've been interested in her and her family, and, like, that never really went away. I kind of, you know, through college, things... I was in college during, like, the first portion of this, like, royal-watching life. Um, And then through college and after college and some life experiences happened, and, you know, even coming back to it, like... Really, anytime you they the world saw Princess Estelle, like I saw it too, and it was just I don't know, it was just kind of like the one thing that kept me in this world, even though like not that my interests ever changed, but like the real world happened um, in a way that I didn't know how to incorporate this into, um, and so I don't know, it's just like. A big, like, I love her birthday. I talked a lot about her birthday last year, too, when it was happening. Um, in fact, that was, like, one of the days, like, I really felt like I had this podcasting thing kind of under control. I mean, they were still really bad, but they're all up. You can listen from day one. Um, please don't, but you can. Um, you know, they were much shorter then, and I was much more... Um, formal in terms of like I felt like I was reading verbatim my outline um whereas now I just like write the event and then I just talk um but I don't know so it's just like a really big deal and I was really excited for her birthday um and because it was her birthday uh the Swedish Royal House releases new pictures every year um so this year there were four um one that included a chair that she sat in for her second birthday and so that was like a really cool um kind of marker of like oh my goodness look how much you've grown um I really appreciated that seven year difference there and then there was one with Prince Oscar her brother and their family dog whose name is Rio um and it's just a really cute photo like they're all really really cute and she looks so grown up and I'm not okay with it like I'm not okay with the fact that she is nine it boggles my mind because like I said I remember very clearly the day they announced they were pregnant with her so I don't know makes me feel a little old but also happy birthday to her um very exciting so that's what was going on in Sweden And now we are going to move on to Spain.
today for me all eyes were on Spain for the most part. There was um of course like the wonderful distraction of the great princess Estelle photos and stuff like that. Um that was awesome. But for the most part a lot of my focus today was on Spain. Um and the event that King Felipe attended. Um, so today he attended the 40th anniversary commemorative, I guess, service event. I don't really know what to call it. Um, for the events that happened on February 23rd of 1981. Um, so in Spain, this is called, uh, technically it would be Vente Tres de Febrero. Um, but it's shortened in, in English. It's 23, uh, F. So on February 23rd of, two, of 1981, um, Spain that had just recently transitioned into a democracy, um, about six years prior, the path had started uh, three years before I think the first elections were held um, and they were they had just held new elections I think for the second prime minister of the newly constitutional democratic Spain and I'm torn about going into too much detail but so I won't go into too much, but like just a kind of crash course. So Spain was in an extremely conservative right-wing fascist dictatorship for about 45-ish years. Um, Spain became a republic. There was a horrible civil war. Uh, the conservative right-wing regime won the war um, and led by General uh, Francisco Franco and so he became then uh, the Generalissimo or the dictator in Spain. Um, and so there were a lot of people that were loyal to that because they were conservative, they were quote-unquote purists, um, They Spain became a republic and expelled their royal family in the 30s, um, but they believed in restoring the monarchy, kind of. Um, so, like, Francisco Franco was treated like a king, even though the the way he was going to be seceded was not in a monarchical style. It wasn't hereditary. Um, he appointed his successor, who turned into uh, former King Juan Carlos, who is King Felipe's father. Um, when Francisco Franco died, uh, Juan Carlos became the king of Spain. And the right-wing conservative Franco loyalists were very on board. And the left-wing um, they, they weren't really Republicans anymore, they were just against a dictatorship, um, were a little perturbed because essentially King Juan Carlos could have done whatever he wanted. He was installed as king with all the authority that Francisco Franco had. Okay, so 
Juan Carlos brings democracy, quote unquote, um, to Spain, and Spain writes a constitution. They insist on a heretic or on a constitutional monarchy, installing Juan Carlos, and then Prince Felipe of Astorias. Okay, so that's kind of like where we're at. But much like here in the states, conservatives and liberals is the easiest way I can do this, uh, are really at odds with each other. There is the added stress of a new democracy, the added stress of kind of coming back into the world. So a lot of the fascist stuff had already been dealt with in the 30s and 40s, and Spain was kind of like the outlier of that that all. Um, There's an economy to rebuild, so I... Like, there's just a lot happening. And they're also, you know, they just came out of 40 years of a dictatorship right after a civil war. There's just a lot of mess. And collectively, Spain decided to just kind of, like, not deal with it. Um, But in the meantime, the Basque terrorist group, uh, ETA, is killing people who were conservative. And, like, it's just a nightmare. So... The right-wingers are now becoming this anti-terrorism group, um, and they want to eliminate democracy because it doesn't serve purposes of eliminating terrorism. Okay, so now we're kind of caught up, kind of. This is all a very brief, horrible overview. Read a book, watch a documentary, they're out there. Um, I will say, like, there isn't a lot to talk about in 23F in English. Um, I thank God speak enough Spanish that I can get through it. Um, but like I searched all day and the only thing that there is, is like a good Wikipedia article. Um, it's really good, but like it's Wikipedia. It's not the greatest thing out there. So anyway, so on February 23rd, basically what happens is a faction of the civil guard or the Guardia Seville, uh, storm, Nicely. They storm nicely because, you know, I don't know, apparently insurrectionists in Spain are, you know, civil people. (sighs) Anyway, um, they come in and they just take over the Congress of Deputies, which is kind of like the House of Representatives in the U.S. Um, It's the governing body for Spain. One of. There's also a Senate in Spain, but it's not as... I don't know. It doesn't seem as important in Spain. It seems like the Congress of Deputies is the higher house. Um, And they come in. I don't quite know how many guards there are. I think I read at some point there were like 200. But everything I've seen doesn't indicate that unless they were kind of stationed all over, uh, which is possible. The Congress of Deputies building is pretty large. And they come in. They basically tell nobody, everybody to sit still. Um, the current prime minister, who is on, outgoing, is kind of like fighting, uh, and then shots go off. No one is killed, but the lieutenant colonel, who basically seemed to be leading the show, uh, set off some shots, and then his... Uh, brigade or faction of, I don't know, the people who came with him, the Civil Guard uh, soldiers who came with him, 
uh, just started firing machine guns. Again, people were injured, but no one was killed, which is miraculous in this whole story. Um, so, all of this is kind of happening in the Congress. Uh, it's intense. And then it's like, we hurried up, we took control, and then we're waiting. So there's a lot happening behind the scenes. Okay, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of what's happening behind the scenes, but that's the, like, main event. There's also some stuff happening in Valencia. Uh, Catalonia's getting really, really worried, arguably for a good reason. Um, but it, this is the big event, is the Congress of Deputies event. Okay, so then we also have the Palacio de Zarzuela, which is where King Juan Carlos and the royal family live and also work. Um, apparently King Juan Carlos was playing squash when this happened. That's the thing I learned today. Um, and was informed of the situation and then started what is described by former Queen Sophia as just making a lot of phone calls. He was on the phone. Um, I think in one of her biographies that was like an authorized biography, um, was... I think she called it like the night of telephone um, calls. And so he's dealing with it. He ends up going live with an address, kind of helping to reassure the Spanish people that democracy is strong, can be strong, and the Constitution will prevail. All good things to say to a panicked public, right? I know I would have liked to have heard that when people stormed my Capitol building. I did not, from the president at least, but like it would have been helpful. Um, and so that's happening. And so now we get, so that's like the overview, right? That's like, okay, this is what's happening. This is the part that former King Juan Carlos is playing. Um, the address went really well. It like solidified him as a good monarch, and then his popularity just shot up from the 80s, 90s, early to early 2000s, and then things got bad, and now we're here, uh, where he doesn't even live in Spain anymore, and is, doesn't receive any money, um, and is basically an exile, but a voluntary exile. So, <laughs> here's Juan Carlos's life, in short. Really, really popular, really, really not. Um, okay, all of this is happening, and a now King Felipe is 13. He had just turned 13. Um, and so he, the story goes, he was basically at his father's side the entire night. So we talk a lot about how Spain's culture is very different than ours in terms, than the states, than mine, in terms of, like, hours and, like, time worked. Uh, so the Congress of Deputies started, like, this meeting at 5.30 p.m. Uh, the, the, what eventually became an attempted coup d'etat, uh, started at 6.30 p.m. So Juan Carlos is informed at 6.30 p.m. Um, and the address that he does goes live at like 1.30 a.m. Um, but during this entire time, the then Prince of Asturias is at his father's side. Uh, the story goes he was forced to stay awake so he could learn uh, some of the hardest parts of what his future job will be. Little did he know um, that the first 
six years of his reign would be seven almost now would be just really challenging in general. Um, he's basically relived 23 February every day. Not quite that bad, but it's been a tough few years of his reign for him. Um, anyway, like he was just a witness to this. Um, he asked a couple of times, like what's happening? Um, and the story goes like he was woken up several times, like, no, you need to see what's happening. Um, so that brings us to today. Um, so that's like the backstory. That's the like current, here's what happened. And then we go to the event today. So, um, of course, because we live in a COVID age, this was a very small, um, gathering with, the Prime Minister, the President of the Congress of Deputies, the President of the Senate, the Vice Presidents of the Government, because uh, they have like four or five, um, the Leader of the Opposition Party, for now, um, like there, there's just a small group of people here. Uh, the heads of the Constitutional Court and the Supreme Court, which are apparently different things I now know today, um, and the two remaining people who were part of the Constitution writing team. Um, so, um, the president of the Congress of Deputies basically welcomes everyone to the event, and then King Felipe gives a pretty short speech. Um, so I was expecting more of, like, the speech he gives at the opening of Parliament, which run, like, 20 or 30 minutes. This was 10 minutes. Um, one of his shortest speeches, like his Princess of Astorias Award speeches are typically 15 to 20, um, opening sessions of parliament, they're like 20 to 30. Um, but this was pretty short, but it talked a lot about Spain's commitment to democracy, right? So this happened, there was another planned attempted coup the next year and Spain's democracy withheld it all. And so he talked about a little bit about his experience, but not very much. Um, this is what he said. He said, that night I was also a witness, still a child, of that historical episode. And I learned the immense and incalculable value that freedom has for the Spanish people. Um, he also goes on to talk about his father and like his decisive nature that night. Um, and then he talks about his role as king as a symbol of unity and continuity. Um, let me, I forgot to move that quote over. So let me see if I can get it here quickly. Casa Real's website doesn't like to always work. Um, let me see here. So he said today as king, as a symbol of the unity and permanence of the state, my commitment to the Constitution is stronger and more firm than ever, as well as the will of the crown to be an institution that includes, integrates, and unites all the Spanish people. So that, I think, is possibly the best description I've ever heard of what a monarch is supposed to do. Like, this is why there are monarchies. So, 
I don't live in a country that has a monarchy. I don't claim whether I'm a monarchist or a Republican because I don't have to make that choice. Um, I don't know what my thinking would be if I were a Spanish citizen or a citizen of the United Kingdom or a Dutch citizen. Like, I don't know what I would think there. Um, and it would probably be different if I was raised in each of those countries. Like, my experience would just be different. Um, but... I live in a country that does have a general used to, for me personally, used to have a symbol of unity. And that was just being an American, right? Like that used to be enough in this country for me to unite us. Um, It's not now. Like I'll be completely honest. Um, I'm really disenchanted with my country and um, it sucks, but that's to me the point of what a monarch is supposed to do. They're supposed to unite the country. They're supposed to be a symbol of permanence. And Spain is a country, again, I'm not a Spanish citizen. So like, I want to completely reiterate that every time I can. Um, I don't get a say in whether the monarchy is popular or not there. But for me, Spain is a country that needs some continuity and some unity because it doesn't have a lot and it goes through a lot. So do I think it would be better if the former monarch was more of an upstanding person and didn't commit shady deals? Yeah, I think it would be a lot different um, if he didn't think he was like above the law. Like Felipe, I don't think does. He believes in his country a lot more than I think Juan Carlos did at the end and he believes in like being a good example. But, um, all of that to say, like, this was a really good speech. It was really powerful. Um, the research was really cool. I know this rambled for like a long time, but I thought, um, there's not a lot happening anyway. Like literally we're about to skip three countries. Um, so I thought, you know, why don't I share like a good bit of this because it's not widely reported on, although I do think it's gotten some attention (laughs) even in the Wikipedia article I was reading it mentioned the the storming, I think is what they called it, of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021 as like a related reading material now um, because a lot of comparisons have been drawn. I personally never saw it, but like I wasn't looking for it. I was kind of like living in the attempted situation we were in, um, which is something like a year ago, I knew 23 February was a thing pretty early on in my research of Spain. Um, but it always seemed like this really far off thing, right? Like, it feels like when you're watching something that happened, like, there should be a lot more information happening at the time and, like, it should be fast moving. And then it turns out it really wasn't. Like, it took hours And really, there was some excitement at the beginning, and then the King's speech, and like everything else in between was just kind of slow moving. Um, And so that's how like January 6th kind of felt to me. So I was watching the vote live because I'm a politics nerd, a history nerd. Um, So I was watching the whole thing go down live. um, And all of a sudden, there was like an interruption in the live stream. And I just, like, I mean, I had a bad instinct about that day anyway. 
and so I felt something bad was really happening, but you really didn't get to see anything right away. Like it took probably a half hour for me to even figure out why it went dark. Um, and it turned out that people had stormed the Capitol and it became then a violent situation pretty quickly after that. Um, and you're watching the news and like the news doesn't have a ton of information. They're just telling you the same thing over and over again. And it's just like so much to handle. Um, and you know, I'm 27, I'm almost 30. Like I can't imagine being a child. Like King Felipe was 13, Queen Letizia, um, her dad sent out a tweet today, which was really, um, interesting, but like, you know, she was nine. She was taking a ballet class up in Astorius, which is where she's from. Like her dad immediately removed her just because of the location of the ballet school. But like, what a thing. Uh, you know, it just felt like a normal day, which is what January 6th was. Like, it still astounds me that, like, the world didn't stop. Um, and so, I don't know, it was just, like, an interesting recount. And then, of course, because it draws so many comparisons to January 6th, there was also something, like, that felt, that feels kind of cathartic for me to talk about and a little bit more distanced. Because um, this was 40 years ago, whereas January 6th was a month and a half ago. So that's the whole thing. That's what was going on in Spain. I really hope you don't mind the blabbering. Um, you also might have skipped this section, which is totally fine too. Um, but that's what was going on. We'll go back to lighter subjects tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, but now we are skipping all the way up to the UK because there was nothing in Norway, nothing in the Netherlands. There's never anything in Denmark. So to the UK we go. So we did get some news out of the UK. Um, things were kind of busy today in the UK, not going to lie. Um, but a lot of it is just going to be brief information. So today Buckingham Palace gave an official update on Prince Philip's health conditions. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, he is currently in hospital. Um, and so the update says the Duke of Edinburgh remains at King Edward VII's hospital where he is receiving medical attention for an infection. He is comfortable in responding to treatment, but is not expected to leave hospital for several days. So this is the first time they've confirmed what's going on. Um, it does look like he's ha he has some sort of infection, um, but they didn't specify into any details. Um, however, there was some other like proxy updates. So uh, Prince Edward, the Earl of Wessex, gave an interview today, I think, um, and was asked, of course, about his father's health. Uh, and he said, yeah, I've spoken to him. He's doing much better. Uh, fingers crossed, but, um, you know, he just needs to stay and get healthy. So, and I think he said like he was anxious to come home, which is all good signs. Um, so that was a big piece of news. Um, and then we had the Prince of Wales sent a video message to Royal Mail, um, so Royal Mail is like the UK's post office, um, that was just really focused on like 
um, appreciating the work that they have done over the course of the pandemic because, of course, like, mail has been um, really, really important and really, really crucial. So, um, he just sent, like, a video message of appreciation. It was great. Um, and then the Duchess of Cornwall visited the Wembley NHS Vaccination Center to meet with NHS volunteer responders, uh, in her role as president of the Royal Voluntary Service. Um, so this actually was not shared by Clarence House, but it was shared by the NHS volunteer responders. I'm guessing there will be something shared from Clarence House in the next couple of days. Um, and then we go to the court circular, which had a few things on it. Um, let me, of course, now I've like lost it in my phone. So let me pull that up here really quickly. Um, okay. So today at Windsor Castle, the queen spoke via video link to Dr. Emily Lawson, uh, who is the chief commercial officer for NHS England and NHS Improvement, uh, as well as three senior officers responsible for the vaccine deployment program throughout the UK. Um, so that'll be interesting when, if that comes out to light. Um, and then we had Clarence House, the Duchess of Cornwall, patron of the National Literacy Trust, uh, held a meeting via video link to mark World Book Day, um, which will probably come out on World Book Day if it's not World Book Day today. Um, and then she visited the vaccination center. We already talked about that. Um, and then going on to Kensington Palace, we had the Duke and Duchess this afternoon spoke via video link to medical charity and volunteer staff across the Commonwealth in advance of Commonwealth Day on 8th of March. Um, so Commonwealth Day is celebrating all the countries included in the Queen's Commonwealth of Nations. Um, we'll talk more about it on March 8th or 7th, I think. Um, and then they held a meeting via video link with a family supported by Asthma UK, as well as a family supported by Diabetes UK. So a lot on Will and Kate's calendar um, for today um, that I'm sure we'll see in the coming days as well. So that's what was going on in the UK. It was a lot. Um, but I don't have a lot to say about it. Also, I just spent like 20 minutes talking about Spain. So there's that. Um, okay, so that's what was going on in the UK. Now let's go ahead and move on to Belgium. Ending this episode with the Belgian royal family, who I'm very glad are back to work, even though today I spent 20 minutes talking about Spain. Um, I am glad that, you know, at least four countries are working this week. I very much appreciate that because otherwise this would be a really slow week. Um, but I have a majority of countries this week working, so that's always helpful. But today there was one event in Belgium. Uh, so today Queen Mathilde held a digital conversation with social entrepreneurs who were the winners of the Schwab Foundation Prize for Social Entrepreneurship. Uh, so this, the Schwab Foundation, uh, Schwab is a bank, um, I think, 
and it has a foundation that supports a multitude of projects um, and entrepreneurs and like provides grants and awards for people doing amazing work. Um, and I think Queen Matilde sits on, uh, she's like honorary president or some honorary title, but like is really involved in it. Um, I remember last year she had a meeting at the World Economic Forum with the Schwab Foundation. Um, and I think she's had a couple more in quarantine, but I can't really remember. Um, but I definitely remember the World Economic Forum one. And, um, cause I was shocked that Schwab Bank had a foundation with it. I don't know why, but I was, um, and so she was able to talk to a couple of the entrepreneurs who won that award. Um, but again, like we talked about yesterday, most of their events are being held via video conference. Although, like I said, there is something later this week in person that is already on the calendar, which is really awesome. Um, and kind of these video things pop up um, without notice because they aren't officially scheduled events. They probably are officially scheduled, but they're not on the official calendar that the world sees. So that is what was going on in Belgium. Um, sorry if you really hated the Spain section, but um, when important things like that happen, um, like anniversaries of really important dates, um, I do want to talk about them. There aren't a lot of those in other countries, though. Um, so, just for reference, Spain's monarchy, current monarchy, has been in existence for 46 years, 47 years, somewhere in there. It'll probably be 47 at some point this year. Um, and so it's, it's new. And they still celebrate things like every, every 10 years, every five years, anniversaries of things. Um, 23 February gets a 10-year celebration every 10 years. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of things like that in other countries. So the next big thing in the UK that has an anniversary date is the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And I plan on going intensely all out for that one, including probably going to the UK. So just so like you all know, um, like I will go into a lot of detail about Queen Elizabeth's reign. Also, we'll probably be in the UK for it. Like, I'm making a trip to the UK for this event. Um, as soon as they announce the event, I have put my, you know, feelers out there for plane tickets and everything in terms of, like, as soon as I'm able to book them, I'll book them. Um, within reason. Like, if they're $3,000, I won't. But, like, hopefully by booking a year in advance, they won't be $3,000. Um, so I am definitely looking forward to that, but there aren't a lot of anniversaries of events in other countries. You know, we, I talk about the national day. I've, I'll do that still. Um, but I just want to, you know, I don't know why I'm justifying it. I wanted to do it. Um, but I'll continue to do it for other countries too. So that's what was going on, um, today. 
I will ask you to like, review this podcast, check out thedailyroyal.com and the Daily Royal on Instagram. Um, and check out, you know, some books or Wikipedia articles or quick reads. Um, if you speak Spanish, there are like two minute videos kind of explaining everything, uh, for 23 February. So check those out, like get some education today. I don't know. It's good for you. It's good for, it was good for me. Um, so with that, I will talk to you all tomorrow and have a great rest of your day. Bye.